one, this is opposed to the matrix, and we're trying something new. Um, if you look either to the left or the right, you'll see Brian, and you'll see me on the other side. And uh, the reason that we decided to do this, or actually I decided to do it, the speaker was giving me fits, uh, really bad fits. And um, so I decided to uh, to go this route. I know that we didn't have enough time to advertise this and everything like that, but um, this is probably the way we'll be going from now on. So the show uh, for the foreseeable future will be taped and then uh, added the same night. So... Um, Anyway, hello, Brian. How are you? I'm doing good, Dave. How you doing? Good. I'm doing okay. You might yeah. want to raise her up just a little bit if you can. Okay. There you go. There you go. Beautiful. Um, so I can see. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There. Yeah, you get to that age, huh? <laughs> yeah, thanks, Dave. And I'm there, too. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. Um, I know. So, uh, Brian and I were talking earlier this week, and we were talking about um, Ephesians 6. And, uh, you know, we always talk about all the things that are going on in this world. Uh, um, strange things are going on in this world. Uh, it's it's like there's another dimension that's been pulled into this world, and it's layering over the one that we have uh, traditionally grown up in. Uh, for instance, Biden getting elected and nobody contesting the illegality of it. You know, that doesn't happen, never happened in our our lifetimes, you know. Um, and it's just there's just too many creepy things going on out there for, for things to be normal. So it definitely proves uh, that, uh, that we're at the end of the age. And I'm sorry I'm not looking at the camera a lot, folks. This is brand new to me. So um, anyway, uh, so. We were talking about uh, Ephesians 6 talks about a lot of things. It's a very good chapter. Ephesians 6 is the answer to Genesis 6, is what Chuck Missler always used to say. And um, so Ephesians 6 talks about uh, our condition, who we're battling against, and then it goes on to talk about um, shotting ourselves with the holy armor. And Brian is, is a lot more versed in the armor than I am. Um, so when we get into that, I'm going to just turn things over to him. Um, he didn't know that, but uh, <laughs> thanks, Dave. Hey, I, I think I hear the water running. I gotta go. I'll be back in about an hour and a half. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> funny <luck>. guy. <laughs> I've winged it before. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. So um, anyway, um, Brian, uh, before we get started on, let's talk about some of the weird stuff that's going on. Uh, you and I were just, uh, we just watched something from the pillow guy. And, uh, Mike, Mike Lindell, I think his name is from my pillow. And, um, he has somehow he has some close ties with uh, Trump and, and the Republican party and, and all the powers that are on, on that side and our side, I should say. And, and, uh, so what did you get out of that? Wow. Uh, it was a two hour video pack full of information. Um, I hope the audience, uh, if you're listening to this or watching this now, you can just download that. Um, what I got out of it was overwhelming evidence that the election was actually stolen. It wasn't a conspiracy. actually happened. And they, one of the things they've said is that, oh, there's always fraud in all the elections. But this was massive fraud. And like Mike Lindell said, 
It's the largest cyber attack in human history on any nation, anywhere, wow. at any time. That's what he said in the video. And uh, at the very end of the video, the last 10 minutes was really captivating. It was all good because he had experts on from all different branches of the government. And he had IT guys on there. And uh, I think he had a general on there. But the last part, uh, he showed the documents and he had that person on there, Dave, remember this IT guy, uh, that all the, all the, all the, uh, I'm not an IT guy, so I'm trying to find the vocabulary here, but China would send over something through the internet and it would actually, they have, um, it's set up, the, our government set this up for this very thing for cyber warfare years ago that they could see the incoming information coming into their computers and they can see it going back, whatever, what they took back from it. Mm -hmm. And so if, if you remember on that, on that last 10 minutes, they showed a diagram of, of China sending information to like Georgia or Wisconsin or Nevada. And then it shows it in real time hacking into that computer, wherever that computer was at in Georgia, and it's sending back information back to China, back and forth, back and forth. And mm -hmm. if I remember correctly from the video, 60, over 60 or 66% of the votes switched by computer were done directly by the Chinese government. Right. And so just the Chinese government, not counting Germany and I think Venezuela and some, and I think maybe Iran. And so, they have that documented. It shows the IP address of the computer, where it came from, what it took, and it actually showed how many um, votes were actually flipped with that. And mm -hmm. it actually showed the actual county that it did it in and how many votes flipped that they flipped. And it's overwhelming evidence. It's, it's documented on, on paper. It's documented in computers. Every computer everywhere has an IP address. This, this mm -hmm. uh, tablet that I'm on, yours, has IP addresses. So they know exactly where it came from, what time it happened, when it happened, how many votes were flipped, and who, to whom they were flipped. And I, I don't remember the exact number, but uh, just about every vote that was flipped was flipped for Biden. Right. And if there were 1,000 votes that came in, they all went to Biden. And this mm -hmm. was after the hours when they shut everything down. If everybody remembers... Uh, in these states, I think it was Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan. And Georgia, all, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and Georgia. They all shut down, I think, at like 10 or 11 o'clock Eastern time. Mm -hmm. And they didn't open up for three or four hours. Well, during those three or four hours, they sent home all the, the observers that are supposed to check all the votes. They all got sent home. But not everybody went home, obviously. And during that time truckloads of ballots came in and also computers from other countries flipped the votes and right. it's absolute proof this is not a conspiracy when they say there's no evidence there's tons of evidence mm -hmm. proof. And so um it's basically what's happened is there's a huge cover-up you have the fake news you have these um these huge um internet companies and and social media giants uh, you have uh, the deep state, the dark state, whatever you want to call them. They're all in this because they wanted Biden in there because, you know, there's many conspiracies. But bottom line, here's what they want to do. They want a very few people 
to run the world, and the United right. States of America is in their way. Mm-hmm. They're in their way because we're a free country, and our Constitution doesn't measure up to what they want. They don't want freedom of speech, as everybody knows, because look what's happened. Right. Social media. They don't want freedom of press. It's basically a government press now. Mm-hmm. They want to shut down. Uh, they don't want us to be thinking for ourselves. Right. Uh, here in Southern California, maybe I'm not sure the rest of the country, they changed on the local news families you know, like the uh, this family is affected by COVID or that family. They call them pods. Here. Oh, wow. Huh. Pods. Not all the stations do it, but that's kind of the the big word now is pods, not families. You're a pod. So, I, I mean, I feel like it's a lab experiment, and there's polywogs in a little teeny dish, and we're just pods. Yeah. So that, But that's how the government sees us. That's how – not the good people of this country, but that's how the government elites – not just government, but the elites, um, the Bill Gates of this world, see us. Mm-hmm. They see us – as just uh, people that need to obey them, need to do what they think. They think they're smarter than us. They know what's best for us. That's why the COVID restrictions are so ridiculous because they're all over the board. And right. so that video by Mike Lindell, which is two hours long, he does a he does actually a pretty good job with this video. Um, I mean, if that was shown on mainstream news, Biden would be out tomorrow. Right. And but that's why um, I sent it to a bunch of my family members. I'm hoping that they, they watch it and they send it out. That's the only way to get information out now because yeah. uh, YouTube won't show it. You know, obviously, Facebook and Instagram and all these uh, platforms are not going to show this. But there's absolute 100 percent proof. It's not a conspiracy. And, and it wasn't just a few votes, folks. I mean, we're talking. Uh, I think in Pennsylvania, or maybe it's Michigan, hundreds of thousands of votes flipped for Biden. Right. Way early and in, late into the morning, two, three o'clock in the morning after the election. Mm-hmm. The votes in the old days, remember, Dave, when we used to vote, like before computers, we knew who was going to be president before we went to bed at night. Right. And the last couple of elections, it's gone way into the morning. And mm-hmm. that's as they're cheating. And, right. Uh, there's actual evidence for this. Um, the anomalies in the numbers, you know, Biden goes from being behind, I think, in Michigan by several hundred thousand. They shut everything down. And by the next morning, even 11 o'clock the next day, they're still counting votes. Yeah. That's because they're trucking them in and they're using computers to flip them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dominion was one of them. And actually, they're on the Lindell video, if Dave, remember one of the Dominion executive was sh- talking to people how to manipulate the computer yeah. to do things. And mm-hmm. one of these things was Dominion. Um, uh, you, I, I even heard here in the local news that um, the computers were not hooked up to the Internet. They were hooked up to a separate system. But as you if we saw in the video, Dave and I saw that. If you watch it, folks... Uh, no, those machines were hooked up to the internet. And what's the internet? It's worldwide. Anybody yeah. can anybody. So that's right. It's just, it's just the way they things are. But is anything going to come out of this? I don't know. But there's proof. The military should take over. It should take the it should take the country back from just seeing that video. Yeah, and I 
I have no idea what they're waiting for. If the military has been bought out too, you know, mm-hmm. but um, leading up to what we're going to talk about, about Ephesians 6, uh, and Dave, I'll give it over to you because I know you have some stuff to share about that. Mm-hmm. But Ephesians 6 is a spiritual warfare chapter of the Bible, like uh, Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. First Corinthians 13, I think, is the love chapter. So this chapter is about warfare, and we are, in this country, fighting a political war, a internet um, narrative information war. But um, after tonight, hopefully uh, we can get this out there articulate enough that it's a spiritual war, actually more than it is a political war. Mm -hmm. Because when you think about the things of this country and how it was founded, it was founded by God, I mean, through God, through men and women. The principles are Bible-based, um, and our, a lot of our forefathers, uh, forefathers were uh, Christians, or godly-fearing men, at least, and women. Mm-hmm. And everything that the media is throwing at us is anti-God. Right. Uh, they took prayer out of schools years ago. They got the old abortion. They have that. Mm-hmm. They want to stop speech. Uh, in California here, uh, Gavin Newsom tried to stop the churches from meeting indoors, and they lost in the Supreme Court, I think, yesterday, and they were, were allowed to meet indoors. Uh, but he's still fighting it. And but we can't worship and sing indoors. We're just allowed to meet indoors. Right. So everything that they're doing is anti-God. Mm-hmm. Men were made to be free. Men were ma- we were made to express ourselves to our God. We uh, our Constitution says we are able we should be able to speak our mind and not be prosecuted for it. Right. All that we're losing that every day, mm-hmm. and all that and much more is anti-American, anti-God mm-hmm. principles in the scriptures. Right. And um, that's what they are. And so what's that mean? If somebody is trying to take your freedom away to worship God, who is really behind that? Well, it would who, be the enemy of God. It's yeah. the enemy, yeah. Because God puts in our heart as Christians to do the right thing and to try to please our God the best that we can. But mm-hmm. the enemy, or Satan, his idea is lies. He's called the father of lies. He's to uh, make people doubt God. Mm-hmm. Like he did Adam and Eve. He, he, didn't God say, if you eat of this fruit? You know, he, he twists things around. And think about some of these politicians, how they're twisting things around. Uh, they're even using scripture to do it. Even Biden uses scripture. To, to totally change the narrative. And so we're in a fight between good and evil. And there's mm-hmm. some good uh, Republicans, I mean, excuse me, Democrats. Actually, there's some bad Republicans out there, to tell you the truth. They're just right. as bad as the Democrats. Yeah. But there are good people out there still in government, but mm-hmm. we're losing ground. And the only way to really win this war, I think at this point, besides you know protesting and, and pushing back against our government and voting, is we need to pray. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to say that, but we do not fight against flesh and blood, right. against every uh, principalities and powers in high places. 
So I'm going to leave it at that, Dave, because I know you have stuff to share about that, and I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Oh, no, it's our time. Um, It's interesting that um, um, I was thinking back to the captivity of Jerusalem back uh, in Jeremiah's day, and um, I was thinking about, uh, you know, how they were – rebellious and taken into captivity and and it was foretold that they would be in captivity for 70 years and that after that they they would come back to the land and how Daniel knew that the 70 years is almost up and he started praying and I think it's um, I think it's in Daniel chapter 9 if I'm not mistaken and um, and he said and I was supplicating and I, I was looking up the word supplicating and that means to be Praying for um, praying for those who either can't or won't pray. Praying for your nation. Praying for uh, a rebellious people, and that's basically what he was doing. He was praying for a, a nation that was uh, basically still in rebellion in in um, Babylon at the time. Um, not as much as they were in Jerusalem before that, but uh, so he was. Uh, supplicating for them and um, basically saying you know our nation is is evil Lord we're we're um, we're made up of a bunch of bad people um, there's people that won't repent but I am calling upon you to forgive us you know please forgive us and everything else and that's when an angel came down and an angel talked with him and said you know you, you have so many years and this is going to happen and from the the call to restore the the walls of Jerusalem um, until the Messiah, the King, is uh, will be sixty nine sevens, you know. And he gave him. So we still have seventy sevens left over seven years. Um, but anyway, I think supplication is a lot of what we have to do, um, you know, because there are people even in the church that are just sitting in church if they're going at all. Or using it as an excuse, excuse me, not to go to church, and um, more or less they've given up. And um, actually, they gave up before that happened. But um, it's 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 interesting, and it's um, necessary that we we uh, supplicate and pray for those for for our nation as a whole, because you know the uh, the 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 other side about fifty I, I don't know I'd say about forty percent of our country. Um, um, probably hates God. I know they hate Republicans, um, and and it's just um, they're not going to turn around and pray. They're not going to ask God for forgiveness. They don't even acknowledge Him. So I think it's necessary for us to do that. And that having been said, um, we need to look at some of the characters that that we're really fighting against because. You know, if, if you read anything on the Internet, you know, it's easy to blame Biden. It's easy to blame uh, George Soros. And believe me, it's they're, they're guilty. Uh, and there are Republicans that are siding with them and, and have always sided with them. We call them rhinos. Uh, there are other people in government that are wicked and evil. And then there's the world government and everything else. Um, so. Uh, it would be easy to, and it is easy to to castigate them in our in our speech and and things like that. But we we really need to realize that these people are. Who said it was it Shakespeare that said all the world's the stage and all men are are basically just players or actors? And um, I know a lot of people that 
that um, uh, we wouldn't like that idea, knowing that, because they they think that they're in charge of their own destiny, and to a degree we are, but things are laid out for us beforehand, and we could talk about that on another show, but um, basically we are puppets in a puppet show, <laughs> and you can choose who your puppeteer is. Um, and pup, we're free, don't get me wrong, God has given us a freedom, but there's a script, maybe that's a better word, we're, we're all we're all acting out a script, and um, it's who, whose side do you want to be on at the end of the play? Do you want to be on the side that um, gets bad reviews and uh, it never gets to act again, or do you want to be on the side that gets good reviews and gets to live with the producer and everything for the rest of your life? Um, kind of a loose analogy, but um, anyway. So I was looking up, and um, it uh, and I've got this on the Delusion Resistance website too. It's on the um, right on the main page, and it's a scripture out of. Let's see, what did I do with that? There it is. Uh, it's a scripture out of Ephesians, and um, it's Ephesians six twelve, and it says, "For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities." comma, against powers, comma, against rulers of the darkness of this world, comma, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And it's interesting that, first of all, there's commas there because it, it delineates all these personages into different groups. Um, and also that the, he puts, um, Paul, when he was writing, he puts uh, against before each one of them, too. To again delineate that you know these are, it's like a cadence in the military. You have your generals, and then you have your your high brass, and then your low brass, and then your your the upper crust of your enlisted, and then all the way down to the private, and then down to the civilian worker too. I guess you would look at it that way. But um, I took the liberty of of, of looking at, um, and this must really make my face bright. <laughs> uh, because it's really white, I got to turn down the, this, the um, whiteness a little bit. Um, but the, the words in, in the in the Greek are interesting because uh, we, you know, that's us, that's that's believers, that's e- that's easy. Uh, wrestle is an interesting word. Um, and I heard somebody. I had. A, I have to admit, I cheated. I watched a little uh, YouTube video on this, and uh, basically. Uh, Everybody knows, I hope, that the Olympics originated in um, in ancient Greece, and um, the uh, New Testament was written in Greece. Uh, excuse me, Greek. <laughs> it would be pretty messy to write something in Greece. Uh, I don't know if it would last through the year. <laughs> it might. The pages might taste good, but um, anyway. Uh, so the word wrestle is pale, okay, and it means to vibrate. Uh, vibrate form from or wrestling or wrestle Um, and it's further delineated as uh, it goes into different characters that wrote about this Uh, Homer is one of them Uh, and it says that uh, the contrast between the two uh, each endeavors to throw the other uh, in which is decided when the victor is able his prostrate antagonist um, would hold him down 
with his hand upon his neck. And I kept getting the vision of uh, George Floyd going, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. <laughs> well, that happened all the time in, uh, in, in Greek wrestling. And believe me, I'm not throwing a light on what happened to George Floyd because, you know, it, it was clear that those officers were out of line. But um, that was part of wrestling in, uh, in Greece. You, you basically wrestled until the other person collapsed and fainted. Um, and it also goes on to say the term is transferred to the struggle of Christians with the powers of evil. Um, Aristotle has some things about it, too. Um, but they used to wrestle in a place, I keep wanting to say the palindrome or something like that, and I really don't have that. Maybe I do. I keep forgetting I'm the ancient Olympics, boxing, um, and we'll get into that in a minute. The wrestling really is the wrestling school is really was really broken down into three um, three different camps, and um, in those camps, of course, there was uh, wrestling like you and I know it. And these guys used to wrestle in the buff. They didn't wear clothes, okay? Um, but um, so when it, when it goes to talk about um, wrestling, uh, the, the wrestling that you and I know is was known as um, – no, excuse me. It wasn't – this is the other one. Um, nine – okay. Pankatron was the one kind of wrestling, and it, it described it. It's, it's pretty brutal. And just to give you an idea, folks, what I'm doing here is to give you an idea of what Paul knew wrestling to be, okay? And after we know that, then we can move on to realize that you really don't want to wrestle with these characters that we're going to be looking at tonight. Um, it says uh, Pankrotion. Uh, um, was a final combat sport added to, uh, added to the ancient Olympic Games. Uh, it says, let's see, um, of the three combat sports, uh, the other two were wrestling and boxing. Pankraton, I'm going to say, was the most dangerous. It was violent, barehanded submission sport that had very little restrictions. Uh, kind of reminds me of the big time wrestling thing on TV. Uh, this brutality was uh, by the the event's name, Pankratos, which means um, all of the power. That's interesting one because it's talking about wrestling with these these entities, and uh, so the wrestling meant all of the power. Uh, from Pan meaning all, and Kratos meaning the strength or might and power. Um, let's see. It talks about. Um, the only restrictions uh, were biting and the gouging out of your opponent's eyes. Pankraton oh. was so dangerous that several athletes died. According to this, uh, accordingly, oh, excuse me. Although the sport was violent, it was popular for centuries and even crossed over into Roman culture. Um, then there's let's see, boxing. Here we go. Boxing was also um, associated with wrestling. It was uh, the, one of the three in the wrestling schools that they practiced. Um, it's the oldest Olympic sport, of course. It's the oldest contact sports. Um, uh, ancient Greek boxing, which was called uh, Figmachia, was added to the games in 688, the second combat sport. After it was introduced, boxing was uh, present at every ancient Olympiad and was highly popular in Greek culture over a thousand years. 
Unlike today's boxing, which has more rules to ensure athlete safety, Pigmachia was very rough. Initially, fighters wore oxide leather wraps called hematis around their hands, knuckles, and wrists, but the gloves eventually became more lethal. The boxers started putting sharp-edged things into their gloves called oxys, which occasionally led to the death during many matches. And if you go up against some of these entities, that's uh, on your own accord. That's what will happen. These ancient boxing matches only lasted one round, and the goal was to either knock your opponent unconscious or to get them to submit. And, Brian, remember we talked just before the show what sign they gave when they wanted to give up? Oh, yeah. The peace sign. Yeah. Peace sign. Yeah, and I keep thinking back to the 60s. You know, yeah, well, we're going to put a bomb in a policeman's car, and then we're going to flash the peace sign. Um, And in wrestling, the palais, which is the word that we actually are um, looking at in in the scripture, um, it was one of the newer events that was uh, given to the Olympic Games. Um, Wrestling was the first combat sport added to the Games. It was considered the safest of the three Greek sports. Combat sports, boxing, and Pactrian were the others added later. Uh, wrestling was also uh, included as the one of the five events in the uh, Pentathlon, and that's where the wrestling school was. Uh, the Greek uh, the Greeks employed two methods of wrestling: upright wrestling, which is orthopale, and ortho means standing, basically in Greek. We still use that today in medicine. For, for orthostatic, um, which took place in the sand pit and and ground wrestling, which was done on wet sand, uh, called kato ka, pale. Uh, this there is some agreement over whether the ground of the whether or not ground wrestling took place at the games. However, there are records that suggest that the athletes started upright and then took to the matches and fell to the ground as if. Um, not scoring after sweeping the throw. They would actually, part of it was actually taking your opponent and throwing them down as hard as you could. So you get an idea of what we're not doing with these, um, with these entities um, that we know as uh, our, our spiritual, because it says here, um, the first one um, that we don't, we do not fight against is uh, called Esti. Um, uh, Oh, actually, that's the word for against. SD is a word for against, excuse me. Um, and that's self-explanatory. Uh, flesh, uh, probably from um, the base word flesh, as uh, stripped of the skin, strictly as the meat of an animal, as food, or by extension the body, um, as opposed to the soul or spirit, as a symbol of what is excuse me, external, or as the means of kindred or by implication human nature with its frailties physically or morally and passions or especially a human being as such, or another word would be carnal. So we're not wrestling with anything flesh, okay, nothing corporeal, nothing that has flesh and blood. And that would include animals too, okay. Uh, the word for blood is uh, hymo, and you might recognize that word. It's where we get the word hemo, and uh, for uh, like hematology, hematocrit, uh, anything that has to do with the blood, especially red blood. Um, it says it's of uncertain derivation. Blood, literally, the of men and animals, figuratively, the 
Figuratively, it's, it refers to the juice of grapes or especially the atoning blood of Christ by implication, bloodshed and also, also of kindred. Um, so it's referring to, um, to blood. Um, so we're not, we're not fighting against anything that's, that you can actually feel or touch or, or, um, or hurt by, um, boxing or wrestling with them. I can remember those days, Brian. I don't know if you were in wrestling in, in high school, but um, it wasn't fun. And just when you think you're the, the big guy that can take everybody down, somebody comes that can knock you right down, which, which is a really good illustration for why you shouldn't do this. Um, yeah. Okay, so then it goes into principalities. We do not fight against – or we, yeah. We do fight against uh, principalities is what uh, we fight against. Um, it's properly abstract, a commencement, or uh, concretely chief. It means chief in various applications. Um, it, it can stand for order, time, place, or rank. We were talking about rank earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, the beginning, the corner. And it's the word arche, by the way, which were, as we, means old, um, archaeologist, you, know, you get the, the gist. Um, it means beginning, corner, at the first, the first estate, magistrate, power, principality, principle, rule. So these are the big bad players. These are the fallen angels, okay? And uh, I guess you could wrestle, wrestle with angels um, because that's what Jacob did, right? Actually, he wrestled, with, I, I believe, with Yeshua, yeah, um, and yes, but uh, so, but anyway, we're not supposed to. Uh, this is what we we're not supposed to f- try to fight against because we're powerless against them without Yeshua's blood and without its power. Um, but these are the big the big boys that, that command everybody else. These are basically the generals of the um, the uh, demonic hordes. Uh, then we come to the word powers. It's another group that um, we don't wrestle against. Um, and that's the word exosia. Uh, it says, in a sense, uh, ability, privilege, um, and subjectively it means force, capacity, competency, freedom, or if you want to look at it objectively, mastery, concretely, uh, magistrate, superhuman, um, potentate, token of control, uh, delegated influence, authority, jurisdiction, liberty, power, right, strength. I think these these are the higher uh, level demons um, because it talks about, where did I just read that? Um, superhuman, and that's what the, uh, the giants were when they were on the earth. They were superhumans. They were only half human. They were half angels. But I think these are the higher um, demonic authorities. Um, that are um, directly below the, the fallen angels. These might have been the favorite sons of the fallen angels before and after the flood. Um, because, well, after, before the flood, they were all, they all killed each other by the sword. That's what it says mm-hmm. in Enoch anyway. But, um, and, and that's where demons come from. They're the, basically the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. Um, so there is a difference between fallen angels and, um, and uh, demons. The fallen angels are the fathers, the demons are the sons. Um, the next uh, term we come across is the rulers. And let's see, it means a world ruler, an epithet for Satan. Um, and then it, it says ruler again, and then uh, it goes on and it says, um, Lord of the world, prince of this age. Of course, that's Satan. 
and you're wondering, you know, why would uh, why would it go down in order to Satan? Because we think Satan is the the chief over everything. Well, in, in the ancient languages, a lot of times they they reverted back. They would uh, talk about something. Um, like there's two accounts of the creation in Genesis, or a lot of people say there are. Um, there were two two different um, makings of the world. But no, the first one is a, a general one, and then the second one is a descriptive one of what happened in the mm-hmm. beginning. Um, so and then it says that uh, th- according to uh, this word, um, which is uh, cause, oh, boy, I hate talking different languages. Uh, Cosmocfator, Cosmocfator. Um, it says the devil and the demons are called in plural, but critical editions critical omit the rulers of this world of darkness. Uh, this word occurs in the Orphica and Ecclesiastical writings of Satan in rabbinical writings uh, is used uh, both of human rulers and of the angel of death. So it's quite possible that the word rulers in this uh, might, could quite maybe possibly be, um, you know, the upper crust of the Rothschilds or something like this. But it would also occur me to, to me to think that maybe that the upper crust of the, um, of the elite are, aren't totally human. Maybe they're Nephilim in nature, uh, living Nephilim, not the uh, spirits. But, um, you know, that's, that'll remain to be seen on Judgment Day. And it talks about of the uh, rulers of the darkness. And the, I just threw the darkness in. Um, uh, it means uh, from the base, shadiness or, or darkness, obscurity, literally or figuratively. And then um, I took the definition of it. Uh, the first uh, definition is darkness, the night darkness, the dark, darkened eyesight of the or blindness. Um, let's see. And metaphorically, it speaks of ignorance respecting divine things and hum, human deities, which the accompanying ungodliness and immorality, together with their consent, misery and hell. Um, so, again, it seems to be talking about human. Um, Maybe human hybrids. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, in my heart, I kind of think so, but I can't quite come out and say it. Um, and then a, another one is a person in, in whom darkness becomes visible and, and holds sway. So, and anytime you hear the word people or person, it's always talking about a human being. So, again, there's more evidence to think um, that uh, maybe these are the upper crusts of the. Um, the uh, the elites and uh, of this world is the next part. Um, it's the present darkness of this world. Uh, so the world means um, an age by extension, perpetuity, also past. Um, by implication, the word uh, the world, uh, especially Jewish, a messianic period, present and future. Age, course, eternal, uh, forever, evermore, beginning of the um, beginning of the comma, while uh, the word beginning without end, and um, it says to compare to another word. But uh, so what it's saying is that when it's using the world, uh, this present age or present world, as uh, the King James uses, 
Um, and that's the only one that I'll ever use for, for many reasons. But, um, anyway, um, it talks about a messianic period and I was thinking, well, isn't that the, isn't that the, uh, the millennium? Well, technically the messianic period, when you think about it, started when, when Yeshua was on earth and when, after he died, we've been living in a sort of messianic period because there's always been people that have believed in Messiah, both Jews and Gentiles. So the messianic period we're living in is present, and there's a future one to come when, when he comes back and establishes uh, righteousness in the world. So um, I thought that was quite interesting. Every time I do these word studies, I find something different that just kind of speaks to my spirit. It's, it's weird. Um, and then we're talking about spiritual wickedness in high places. So spiritual is the uh, word nuyomakitos. Um, um, anytime you hear pneumo, you, uh, nuyo or pneumo, you, you think of, um, oh, there it is, pneumatikos, that's the word, sorry. Um, pneuma means breath, and you think of breathing in, uh, you think of pneumonia when you're sick mm-hmm. and you, your lungs get filled up, you have pneumonia, it means that you're, it's really, you're having a, um, condition where you can't breathe. Um, but anyway, it says non-carnal. Um, it says ethereal, which means uh, ethereal means all around you but unseen. The ether, a lot of people call it, or demonically a spirit, uh, concretely or divinely supernatural, um, and and that's where it goes with that. So we're definitely talking about here again spiritual beings and wickedness, uh, which is. Uh, Poneria, as far as I could tell, it means depravity, um, specifically malice, plural, um, concretely plots, sins, iniquity, wickedness. So no doubt about that. That's kind of self-explanatory. And high places. Now, when I listened to some guy on the, uh, the other day, he was talking about um, – the high places uh, there there is there are three heavens uh, paul tells us about that there's the the atmosphere of the earth there's outer space and then there's outside the universe which is where yahweh lives um, however the guy the other day was saying was breaking down the um, the first one to be um, the the air atmosphere that's below the mountain tops and then the atmosphere that's above the mountain tops and he was really quick, and rightfully so, to mention that there's no life in outer space. And I feel that way anyway. Um, I've done a study about that. You can find it on Delusion of Resistance. But, um, but um, in this high place, it's talking about above the sky, and it's a celestial heaven, or very, very high. Mm-hmm. So um, there's, it seems to suggest that these things can, right now, and because we know that Satan's going to get thrown out of, he's going to have a war with the Lord. He's going to get thrown out of heaven, right? So somehow he must have access. And I think the scripture says that he stands before God accusing us constantly. Am I right about that, Brian? Yeah, that's right. Yes. Okay. So he does have access, him and maybe some of his angels, to the lower parts of the high heaven where he, he maybe he, um, 
accuses accuses us um, before God of wrongdoings and stuff like that. Well, in any case, that's what we're looking at if if you do a Greek study. And, and I always encourage people to do word studies because you get so much more out of it. Um, but uh, so we're finding out that these are spiritual beings for the most part and that um, they have to be fought in spiritual ways. Uh, we can't uh, we can't raise a sword against uh, uh, um, an evil spirit because you'll just be swiping through air. Um, you know, a spirit uh, can go. Th- well, there's been instances where they've gone through people. Um, we know they go into people. We that was one of the first shows we did together, Brian. Remember? Uh, can yeah, a Christian right. be possessed? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it's it's um, it's just showing us all the more that we can't now. Um, the scripture goes on, Brian. If you want me to, I, I can read it. And if you want to, then uh, uh, if you feel up to it, I you know I kind of threw you into this. I didn't mean to throw you under the bus. Uh, oh, that's okay. Uh, but uh, God gives us a way to fight against this. Mm-hmm. Um, and Apostle Paul, he um, he he shows us how to do that. I don't know if you have the scripture pulled up, Brian, that way. If you do, you can read it. If not, I can read it. No, go ahead uh, and read it. I don't have it pulled up. I have okay. notes on my phone, but I don't have that pulled up. So Okay. Well, right in the next verse, it says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye might be able to withstand in the evil day. And boy, do we live in evil days. And, and having done that, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, that word wicked again, um, and take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. There's that word supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And then he goes on to talk about him, about how he prays and stuff like that. So, um, Brian, do you see these tools as being offensive or defensive? I see them as both. Oh, okay, Uh, good. um, Because the helmet of salvation I see as protecting Know that you're saved because, mm-hmm. well, what, what any enemy, a physical or spiritual enemy, they want to make you doubt who your right. commander is. They want to make you doubt that whoever is commanding your army isn't able to win. So in your brain, okay, let's back up. You confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is the son of God. Ask them to come into your heart and your life and be your savior. Uh, that's the short version, but that's pretty much what it says. If the first thing the enemy does, our spiritual enemy, Satan, and his demons, and whatever, what you want to call them, henchmen, the first thing they want to do to somebody is if they are a Christian, is to make them doubt God's love for you. And the first way they go about doing that is they make you doubt that you're saved that you even know him in the first place. So the helmet of salvation, I see, and I, I, I've done word studies on this, and it's been a while, but I read it today. God wants you to know you're saved. And in 1 John 5, I think verse 11, and 
the verses after that, talk about how do you know if you're saved? And it goes to a list. And you can look that up. I can look it up if I had some. Uh, I've got my phone with me. I don't have a big screen like you, Dave, so I have to keep looking at my phone. But First John 5.11 talks about knowing that you're saved and that, uh, that you're going to be saved. And if you have, and it talks about in there, if you know you're saved, you have confidence that anything you ask of him in the spirit, you will receive. So the helmet of salvation is knowing that you're saved and that you're not going to doubt that God loves you and that you're going to heaven. That's the first thing that enemy goes after is doubt. They come at you with doubt and they come out with condemnation. In Romans, it talked about combination. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So those mm-hmm. two go together because if Satan or the enemy can put a doubt, if, they only, if, if, if my friends only knew this about me, they wouldn't love me. Or God doesn't love me because how can he love me? Look what I have done. You know, those type of thoughts right there are not of God. And I know there's a lot of people right now probably watching us that are doubting, is doubting God's love for them or God's provision for them because they don't deserve it. Well, you know what? We don't deserve it, but we got it because mm-hmm. for grace, Ephesians 2.8, for grace you are saved by faith, not of works, that no man should boast. God came into your life at whatever time of life it was, whatever circumstances, showed you Yeshua, why he died for you, that you needed a Savior, that you needed forgiveness of sin, and that he was the path to the Lord, to the Father, to heaven. Right. And God put that in your heart to do that. It says no man seeks after God. There's none righteous, no, not one. So I'm going into this uh, basic Christianity about salvation because it's really not taught a lot in the churches. Not Mm -hmm. Not a lot. God loves you is taught, but why does God love you? Why did he save you? Why are you saved? How do you know you're saved? How do you know you don't, you, you are saved and you can't lose it? Or I know people believe that. How do you know? How do you know? The Bible talks about John, 1 John 5.11 is very, very specific about salvation. Because back in John's time, people were doubting their salvation. So he wrote uh, First John 5, 11 through, I can't remember, 17 or something. I'm just guessing there. It's First John 5. And so he wrote to them, this is how you know you're saved. The helmet of salvation is know who your commander-in-chief is. The first thing you need to know in battle is who you're serving. Mm-hmm. You need to have a commander. In any army, you need to have a commander-in-chief. And you need to be able to trust that commander-in-chief that when you go into battle, he knows what he's doing because your life is on the line. And our commander-in-chief is Yeshua, is Jesus. And we need to trust him that whatever is happening in our life, he's totally aware of it, and he's right there to give you orders if you ask him. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I wanted to go into that um, we touched on in these verses, uh, excuse me if I have to look at my phone here, folks, but i got to see my notes. Um, Yeah, and this is a good one, too. So, I see the helmet of salvation as defensive. But the offensive weapon is the sword of the spirit. Right. And the sword is mentioned many times in the scriptures. Um, and actually it's mentioned as a double-edged sword. So why 
doesn't mention like, let me look here in my notes. Um, Hebrews 4.12. I'll just read it, folks, okay? So the word of God is a living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and of the spirit, of joints and the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Okay, let's get into a double-edged sword. In, in those times, there were single-edged swords, and they were heavy. Swords weren't like in the movies. You see these guys, and they're, and they're going in a 10-minute sword fight. That wasn't realistic. Swords were heavy, and you wore your arms out. You were tired. Like for boxing, if anybody out there boxes, you know if you're not in shape, your arms get heavy after two or three minutes of just boxing. Can you imagine picking up a 10 or 15-pound sword that's two to three feet long, and you're swinging that thing for dear life? So mm-hmm. you get tired. So what they invented back then was a double-edged sword. So you could cut coming down, and you could cut going back up. And if you didn't have a double-edged sword in a sword fight, you were pretty much dead. Because if you didn't have a double-edged sword, and you had a single edge, and you struck, and you missed, he could get you twice before you can raise it back up. Mm-hmm. And you were dead. So it's interesting that the scriptures, Dave, use earthly physical weapons and terms to describe spiritual battles in another realm. Right. And, and, and there's no mistake because there's nothing new under the sun. And just a little footnote, the earth and the things of the earth are about a shadow of what's in heaven. Obviously, Yosemite mm-hmm. is a very beautiful place. I live by the ocean. It's beautiful. And, and that's with sin. That's after sin has entered it, and there's in its sinful planet, and it's still beautiful. So, but it's a shadow of what might be in heaven. How beautiful is that? Right. Okay. And what casts that shadow? A tree casts a shadow, and the shadow of the tree. Let's say it's a large tree. It's like, wow, that's really cool. But you look up at the tree; it's not any comparison to what the shadow is. It's the real thing. Mm-hmm. So the things of this earth are a shadow of the, some of these things here, of what's in heaven. Good so, analogy. What's that? Good analogy. Well, thanks. And yeah. so so when he says a sword of the spirit, it's, it's an analogy, but it's also what the word of God can do. So he, he equates the sword to the word of God. What is the word of God? The Bible. That's why it's so important, and I'll just say it for people out there, you a lot of people don't want to read the Bible because they can't memorize it. It's too much work. But we can read the newspaper. We can read our phones. I do that. I'm guilty of that. I read my phone all the time. Mm-hmm. God doesn't want you to memorize everything. He just wants you to read it, and the Spirit will make it stick. Right. We put too much pressure on ourselves to memorize. And not that that's good. I do that. I try to memorize. But if you just sit there in your car at lunch or in your office space, and just find anything. The Psalms is always good. You can't lose when you go to the Psalms. They're just awesome. Yeah. And read one Psalm, and if that Psalm sticks out at you, like, wow, that's exactly what I need to hear today, don't read anymore. That's what God is, wants you to focus on. Read mm-hmm. it five or ten times. Just read it over and over. Not even Don't even try to remember it. Just read it. Your subconscious is remembering that. Mm-hmm. And your, the Holy Spirit in you is going to make it stick. And if a uh, good, um, well, scripture, Jesus said in those days when they bring you before the, the court, the high courts and the Pharisees, don't worry about what you're going to say. 
because the Holy Spirit will will speak for you. He'll bring it to memory. You he will bring it forth. So uh, and there's nothing wrong with studying the scriptures. I've done it. Dave, I know you do it. Barb's done it. But overall, God wants us to read the scriptures because that's our food. That's our manna. That's what's going to help our soul to heal. If, like if you have a heavy heart tonight because you're just going through horrible stuff, uh, watching Fox News, even though I've watched it because the election, is not going to get rid of that heavy heart. But five minutes in the scriptures, and especially in the Psalms or Proverbs or, or a good uh, Ephesians, any, any book, you all will feel it. Just the words jump off the page and heal whatever or begin to heal what's inside. Back to the, the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit in the word is that when you read it, it's truth. And so when it goes in, it gives truth. When it comes out your mouth, it gives healing to somebody else. It's a double edge. It goes wow. in, it heals you. It comes out, it heals somebody else. The enemy wants you not to do that. The enemy, the demons of this world that live in this world around us do not want us to be in the scriptures because they know how powerful it is. It's one thing for me to say, I hope you have a good day to a stranger. But it's another thing for me to speak from God, from the word of God that morning that was put in me to say something like it's say something simple. God loves you. You're having a hard day. You know what? I'll pray for you. God loves you. And they're like. Where'd that come from? Now, if you hadn't read the scriptures that morning, you might have thought that, but you might not have said it because you're all into your problems. You're stressed out. You're not you're not like a soldier ready to fight. Mm-hmm. You're on the front lines. You are aware of what's going on around you. You know where the enemy's at. You know what weapons you have. You know what your weapons can do to the enemy. You know how to use those weapons. But if you're not trained and you don't know how to load your gun, you don't know how to fire your gun, you're not looking around, you're going to be ambushed. And Mm -hmm. you're going to spend your whole day being defensive, not offensive in the spirit. Is is being in the spirit important? If you're a believer today and you know the Lord in your heart, it's the only thing that is important. It's the most important thing of our life is to walk in the spirit, walk with the Lord. How do you know when you're walking in the spirit? When you're walking in the spirit, you shouldn't have to know you're walking in the spirit. You're just walking in the spirit. If you think you're walking in the spirit, then you're prideful. Mm-hmm. You're walking in the spirit. You're not thinking, am I walking in the spirit? You're just doing it. You're, you're reading your word. You're allowing that scripture to come in you. You're dwelling on it. And you're using it to bring your life closer to the Lord. The closer you come to God, the less this world's going to affect you. There's the helmet, of, the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith. A shield is a defensive weapon. So the shield you hold up to keep that other sword from hitting you or those arrows. But in your other hand, you have the sword, and you're going after that enemy with the sword as you're protecting yourself. Mm-hmm. How do you protect yourself? You use the word of God to remind you that God's on your side. Helmet of salvation, you know you're saved. The sword of the spirit is offensive. Use those words in you to bring healing out of you to other people. The shield of faith is 
knowing God's on your side and that he's not going to let you down no matter what happens in your life. Hebrews 11, if most people, if you don't know this, is the faith chapter of the Bible. There's a whole list of people in there and they, of Abraham and, and different ones, how they, they didn't see all the promises of God fulfilled in their life, but they still believed God. Because mm-hmm. they said they were looking for a city to come down out of heaven, not an earthly one. If it was an earthly city, then they would return to it. But they weren't looking for that. They were, their mind was always on the Lord that he had for them. They knew the earth was a temporary place. They knew they were temporary. That even if you live to be 100, that's temporary. You're going to be living forever in heaven. That's eternal. Mm-hmm. And they knew that in their heart. So the things that the enemy was throwing at them in that those chapters didn't bother them. So much so, some of these people were being persecuted in horrible ways, which I'm not going to go into, but you can read it. But they didn't consider it anything. It's like, okay, you're going to kill us. Okay, you're going to tie us up and you're going to beat us. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure it was horrible. It was painful. And there's believers like that now. But when you're walking in the spirit, and you're using the weapons of, that God gave us, it doesn't hurt as much. And actually, you're like, God puts you in a protective bubble. It's like horrible things could be happening to you, but it just doesn't affect you. It does, but it doesn't. Because you know in your heart, he loves you and it's going to be okay when it's all over. Mm-hmm. One way or the other, you're going to make it through it. And so I, I'm saying all this because COVID has been really hard on a lot of people. Uh, I know it's been hard in my household, on my son, and locked up for a year doing, he should be in ninth grade in high school, instead he's in his room. And I, I know it's been horrible, and I know that suicide's up, drug and alcohol abuse is up, uh, abuse is up, depression's up, suicide's up. So uh, anybody out there, first of all, if you don't know the Lord, ask the Lord in your heart. Jesus, read John three sixteen, read that, and uh, and God God gave His Son for us to have life, and if you don't have that life in you, you don't have life yet, not real life. And if you're a believer tonight, God wrote through uh, the prophets, through the apostles, and different ones, the Book of Ephesians, all these things we have in the Scriptures. And therefore, our benefit, we're not just here to survive on the earth. We're here to thrive. And I don't mean prosperity, kind of thriving. You know, there's people out there to teach that, Dave. You know, mm-hmm. you give this much to the Lord, he'll give you ten times back. That's right. prosperity teaching. That's wrong. That's a sin. That's right. wrong. I'm sorry, but that's just wrong. Um, God does want to bless you, but you don't give to God because you want him to bless you. That's not how you, that's not the motive. And mm-hmm. so, but we're here to, it says we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. I think it says in Romans, I could be wrong on this one, soon Satan will be crushed under our feet. There's a scripture, gosh, I'm going, uh, um, I can't remember, you might look it up maybe later, Dave, that there's a time coming, it's mentioned in the Old Testament, when us as believers, we're going to look back on Satan. We're going to see, we're actually going to see Satan physically, who he really is. And we're going to see it in the scripture. This is the one. This is the person that caused all the, I'm paraphrasing. This is the person that caused all the trouble and all the havoc. This, 
we're going to look at them for how God really sees them as nothing, as just a runt, a piece of washed up garbage. And it says that in the Old Testament. I wish I could remember exactly. It's, but I know it's, it's in the it's the I wills. It's it's right after the I the five I wills of Satan. It, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I was trying to I, trying to look it up. Keep going. I'll find it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm glad you got that computer in front of you. I just have my phone. So, folks, it's just um, hang in there. God loves us. The stuff happening with the election, all this stuff. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Is Trump going to be president again? I don't know. But, you know, I do know one thing. God is president already of the whole universe and of all living things. And I know he loves us. I know he's for us. He, I know he, won't, he hasn't forsaken us. As far as the heavens are above the earth, so is his love above uh, for us. He, um, he's not going to abandon us. And he's going to get us through all this. And he's not asking you to do anything except trust him. And that goes for me. Just try, And it's hard. You wake up in the morning and you hear the news and COVID this and lockdown that. And they don't want us to even sing in our churches anymore. Well, I'm telling you, God puts a song on your heart. You sing to the Lord. You do what the Lord says, not what humans say. And uh, uh, that's where when the government stop, starts superseding God's laws, that's when we draw the line. That's when we should draw the line. Mm-hmm. And so the sword of the spirit, salvation, know you're saved, shield of faith, know God's going to come through for you. This um, the sword of the spirit, that's to attack the enemy. The, the word of God isn't just for you. It's for you to go out to somebody else. And I don't mean, and I mean the gospel, but know that you're saved, know why you're saved. And, and God maybe wants to use you and give a healing word to somebody who might be thinking about killing themselves. Maybe they're yeah. really depressed right now. And maybe you're going to meet them at Starbucks tomorrow and you're going to bump into them. And you're going to have a conversation and you had just read the scriptures and just ate some manna from God. And now you're kind of in tune with the Lord at that moment. And you're going to say something that might change their life forever. And mm-hmm. the enemy knows that. That's why they bombard you with bills, with debt, with worry, with stress, with confrontations with family members, with employees, employers. It's that's all behind the scenes is demonic. Right. Because think about it. I know there's people out there who go to church. You have, you, you, your biggest fights with your family are right before you go to church to hear the best message you ever heard in your life. It's always right before church. And that's no accident. That's happened to me many, many times. You know, It's because the demonic forces know if they can beat you down before they go to church, you're not going to feel like worshiping anything. Not mm-hmm. God. Not You're just going to be sitting there thinking about the next football game. And uh, that's it's, an, it's a spiritual attack. And, and it's, I tell you right now, if God could open our eyes like Elijah's servant, we would see demonic forces all around. But at the same time, I want the uh, believers out there to know this and everybody to know this. There are twice as many angels as our demons. Only one third fell out of heaven. So two thirds of angels are out there and they are tasked with protecting us and serving us and doing God's will for his church. And on top of that, 
God and the Lord Jesus is also watching over us, and we have the Holy Spirit in us. We are literally covered on every direction spiritually. And that's why Jesus said you can cast out all demons and heal all diseases. But we can, why can't we do that now? Why is that happening in America? Because we're too consumed with us. We're right. too consumed with our problems. Exactly. This goes for me too, Dave. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not just. I'm not. I don't have the answers. I'm not perfect. But we, the the enemy's plan is smoke and mirrors. And just to bring it back to earth, <laughs> that's what's happened politically in this country. Think about it. Whenever mm-hmm. the Democrats, you confront them on an issue, they they change the subject and put it towards something else. They always they always do that. They mm-hmm. never talk about the actual issues ever because there's no, they have no response to it. And the enemy doesn't want you to deal with your issues directly. They want you to cover over everything in your life that is keeping you from that relationship with the Lord. If you're saved, you're saved. I believe you're saved, you're saved. And that's right. People differ with me, but that's how I believe. And if you are, Satan doesn't want you to believe that God loves you and that he has your back. Mm-hmm. And you ever live for him 100% or not, he's still in your life. You can't get rid of him. And he's like a hound dog, like a hunting dog. You used to have a hunting dog. A hunting dog will go after a down bird until they get exhausted. If they know that bird's there and it has a scent and they can find it, they won't quit. God mm-hmm. won't he, he's He will hound you and hound you and hound you and go after you and bring you back. If you're the old, if you're the one of the hundred sheep, he will go after you and bring you back to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm almost done. Is this analogy I just thought about, um, I taught a long time ago about God's love for his people draw a big circle, I don't care how big it is, and say it's 50 feet in diameter, Dave, and Mm -hmm. put a little dot in the middle, that little teeny dot in that big circle. That's the center of God and your relationship with him where he wants you to be. So when you get saved or you have that time in your life where you're just like on fire for the Lord, you're right in the middle of that huge circle. What's the rest of the circle? All the distractions. Mm -hmm. There's an edge to that circle. God will never let you go out of that circle. When you start getting to that edge and you start wandering from him, you wander and wander and wander and wander. You get right to that edge and you think, where's God? Where's God? He will grab you by the shoulder and he will yank you back to the center. And why will he do that? Because he has to. He's promised to take care of us. He has mm-hmm. promised to provide for us. He has promised never to leave us or forsake us. He has he, he's promised, and God can't lie. The Father cannot lie. And so in the midst of this COVID, just remember, folks, he's got your back. He's going to protect you. He's going to keep you safe. He loves you. And all he wants is you to love him back and me to love him back. And the, the book of Ephesians was written because God knew that humans were going to have to fight to have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Get saved. That's the, that's the easy part. Once you're saved, building that relationship, God knew it was going to be tough. That's why He wrote that book. Mm-hmm. Not, I got to give my people some tools because if I just if I don't put the book of Ephesians in 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 the Word, they're not going to know how really to fight fight. And so that's why it's there, and that's why we're talking about it tonight because the Earth is pretty messed up right now, 
And it's not all physical. I think it's mostly spiritual, but we see it manifesting in the spirit realm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's cool. That's very good. I um I was thinking, too, while you were talking about the blessed breastplate of righteousness, that back then, uh, we all when we think of armor, we think of, you know, a 14th or 15th century knight from Germany or France or something like that. You know, they, they wore the big heavy suits of armor and stuff like that. Well, in, in, um, the, the day that the scripture was written, uh, they were, were, um, chain mail. The Romans didn't have, uh, real armor, uh, like we know it, uh, until like four, three or four hundred AD. And so the, uh, the breastplate of righteousness was frontal and back. And it, if, of course, it guards your heart. Okay, a heart in the center of your being, which is where God lives, where the Holy Spirit rests, uh, the center of your um, your Holy of Holies, basically. Um, and then I was thinking about um, while you were where you talking, uh, it says gird your loins with uh, truth. I think it says right. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but uh, well, <laughs> a couple of things. Uh, there's a Monty Python movie out, and I can't remember, uh, The Holy Grail, I think it is, yeah. where he comes yeah. up against a knight at the um, at a bridge, and he wants to cross the bridge. And so he gets into a battle with the knight, cuts his one arm off, and so the guy starts fighting with the other arm. So he cuts that arm off. Then he cuts one of the legs off, and the guy's hopping around on one leg. And so finally he cuts the other leg off, and all that's left is a torso. And the torso's mouthing off to him, you know, hey, you know, come back, I'll bite your kneecaps off, you know, or something like that. Yeah. And um, and I was thinking about the the loins of um, being girded with truth. Uh, if if you take a leg injury to your your especially your uh, your upper um, loins, um, it could be a real mess. Uh, you can't walk. If you can't walk, you're down on the ground and you're easy prey. And um, <clears throat> I've if you ever seen anybody in traction in the hospital, uh, they're usually in traction because they've broken their humerus, and that's your your upper thigh bone, you know, the bone above the knee that goes to your hip. And there's a very powerful, um, um, I want to say ligament. Um, uh, I can't think of the word right now. Tendon, very very powerful and strong tendon, to where if, if your that bone breaks, it pulls that that. Your, uh, your leg all the way up, the bottom part of your leg all the way up to the top. And that's, that's a really painful thing, and it's, you can't heal that way. So what they do is they put them in traction, and the traction pulls the leg out so that the bone rests on top of the other bone that was broken, and you stay that way for a long time. And finally, you're able to walk again. So that is one of the most vulnerable points you have below the waist. So it's interesting that God talked about that when he had Paul write about that and, and um, about the spiritual armor. And the only other note I wanted to make was the um, uh, it's not known by a lot of people, but the uh, the Roman army, the shoes they wore, the sandals, actually had cleats in them. They had metal spikes sticking out of the bottom of them so that when they walked, you know, they, they were sure-footed. And um, I forget, what does it say in the scripture? I turned from that scripture. Um the the um the shoes of uh or the sandals of I can't remember what they're for. The preparation of the gospel. Yeah, yeah. 
so, um, you know, with the spikes in it and stuff like that, they were very sure-footed and, um, you know, they didn't fall over very easy. And when you brought up the sword, I thought that was interesting because the, the Romans were the first ones to use a double-edged sword. It was called a Thaddeus, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And um, when I looked it up, it, it was also called a, a Gladius is the, mm-hmm. the, the name of it. And, you know, so you got these little Italian guys that are marching in an army that look, probably look like ants to the, the Germanic tribes and to the Anglo-Saxons that were in uh, um, England at the time. If Well, the Saxons were. I don't know if the Anglos or the Anglos were. I don't know if the Saxons were. But anyway, um, very large people, you know, six foot in height was not uncommon. And so you got these little five foot six guys marching into battle against these taller guys probably look like a joke but when they, they used that sword the, the germanic tribes and uh, and the franks only had um swords that were single-sided so when the romans like you said came down and then could take that sword and come back and backhand it you know use it twice one one time basically you know uh whereas the germans had to swing and then regroup and then swing again uh, the Romans had an advantage, and that's why they won so many wars against the uh, the Germanic and the Frank and the Franks uh, back when they conquered those lands, and and the Brits also when they went in there, although they weren't called Brits at the time. I can't remember right now what they were called. So it was um, it was a very effective weapon, like you said, and I loved I loved your analogy about when it goes in, it blesses you, but when it comes out, it blesses somebody else. You know, I never mm-hmm. thought about it that way, you know, because it, it doesn't enter in, into your body, it enters in, into your mouth, and then it comes out of your mouth through, through your heart, of course, you know, in your mind, yeah. which the Lord uses. And he said something to one of the apostles, or maybe to a group of the apostles, or disciples, excuse me. He said, don't be afraid when you're brought before magistrates and kings. Don't be afraid what you're going to say because when that happens, I will put the words in your mouth. Yeah, that's you know? yeah, that's right. That's the passage I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. that and that's why you read it because, like you said, the subconscious absorbs it, and <clears throat> when the subconscious absorbs it, it um, it's stored. It's stored in your memory bank, so to speak, uh, to be called up when the Lord needs it. Um, and I have no doubt, though, that he could speak through your mind or your mouth if he wanted to, even if you didn't do it. But it's always good to be prepared. But um, <clears throat> it's um, and I got a feeling as, as time moves along um, that in this world, um, both politically, but more spiritually, um, we're going to be using that. Because, um, like you said, there there are many people now. Well, there's basically two groups of unbelievers when you're talking about politics: uh, those who um, don't know any better, and those who know better and are just antagonists. And mm-hmm. so, when when I have found, and I'm, I'm sure you have too, a lot of Christians have that when you answer an antagonist in in um, using scripture, it shuts them right down. You know, it's mm-hmm. funny that, that we brought this up because the other day, I've, we've got a, at work a Budinsky that knows something about everything. 
you could talk about, you know, that you went to Mars and he would say, well, I went a year before you did, <laughs> you know, one of those things, you know. Yeah. And so uh, there's another Christian that works there, uh, a nice lady. She's from uh, her family comes from Vietnam originally, I think. And um, neat salvation story about how they got saved. But uh, we were talking and I said, well, you know, I want to talk with this lady, but I don't want this Budinsky, you know, getting into the fray with us. So. Um, I started talking about the Lord and she started talking about the Lord. And so he came out and he said something totally ludicrous, um, not even pertaining to what we were talking about and then realized that he didn't, you know, he wasn't versed yeah. in what we were talking. About. And I'm like, finally, finally, there's something we can talk about that he can't one up us or better us, you know? Right. And, and it was, I was just like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. This is so cool. I love it. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, the um, the Lord knows ahead of time what's going to happen, of course. And um, the other day, th- we've been running short on personnel at the hospital. A lot of people have been taking advantage, I think, of um, all the perks that are being handed out because of COVID. You know, if you have a child, then they're granting you extra hours to stay home. Um, however, you know, if you don't have a child, they're not being rich enough finding out, you know, do you really have this child? And um, uh, an example was, I guess, uh, somebody was complaining to me that there was uh, some lady at work who is seeing someone and living with him. And the... Um, because he has a son that he sees only on the weekends, uh, she's been taking the time off saying that it's her kid, you know, and taking advantage of the perks that have been offered, you know. And um, and so, the you know, we were, we were talking about that and how unfair things are. And and because of that, there, there are times when I go up in my unit, and although I'm not an RN, I, um, I have to run the unit until an RN gets there at 1230. Of course, I get paid extra for it. But not enough to make it worthwhile. Let's put it that way. But um, so anyway, because people take advantage of it, and that's happening, I was uh, I got to work a little early, and I was sitting down, and I I said I, I bowed my head, and I said, Lord, I said, you know, I'm tired. Um, I, I I just can't deal with being lead nurse today, this morning, and you floated off both of the RNs. And I said, and I know that the one RN floated on Sunday, and it's really not fair that you floated her off. Uh, no, not you, but that she got floated off. I said, so could you please make it so that so-and-so can come back upstairs and be the RN, and I can just have an easy day, and we can all just have an easy day, and she won't have to float, and everything will be hunky-dory. The, the know-it-all got floated, um, too. But uh, So anyway... I got up and I said, well, I said, I prepared myself. I'm ready to, you know, what, what do I got to do? And, and oh, well, no, no, so-and-so got floated back. And I go, you're kidding me. No, she's, she's, it says on the schedule, she's here. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to, with guarded breath, I'm going to hope and pray that everything stays that way. And sure enough, and I shared with her later that day, and I said, you know, I said, I know you're really tired, of being floated all over the hospital, I said, and I bowed my head this morning, and I prayed that you you wouldn't have to float and that you would be up here. And she got a big smile on her face, and she says, oh, I just want to thank you so much. 
She says, because I am tired of floating, and I didn't want to float today. And when I got your text, she says, I was really happy, you know. So he uses us in the most sometimes most peculiar ways, mm-hmm. you know. Um, made her day, made my day, made the day go easier. The the I call him the um, the Stoke, the, the sum total of all knowledge. It's it's <laughs> this other guy, <laughs> and and That's so the, the Stoke wasn't there. So you know we had a pretty good day. And when he came back, I started talking about religion with somebody else, and that made me even better. But not religion, um, our faith. But um, anyway, so it's um, there. The Lord is is showing me, and I know He's showing you and others that um, He's the answer. We knew that all along, but even more now, we're learning that He's the answer, and all that's going on with this this COVID thing and everything else. And, um, people are, are, have been short in temper. And I think he's using us to, to pray and to help, to help to pray for them. So they have a better day and everything else. And it's just been really neat to see that even in these small things who are, and, and looking at the way that other people are living around the world, these are small things. Um, he, he's being faithful and true, and he's proving himself more and more. And like you said about the circle and the dot, mm-hmm. about the little dot being you and the other, rest of it being distractions, um, that is so true. You know, it's it's we see everything around us, and people tend to hyper-inflate things and make things look worse than they actually are. And, you know... The other day I was I was thinking about that and I was driving home. I got an hour drive and and I said, wow, you know, I, I said things aren't the greatest. You know, they're not like they were a couple of years ago and they're certainly not like they were 20 or 25 years ago. And I said, but look at all we still have. You know, even the people that are, aren't doing so well are getting some kind of assistance or it would seem that way. And if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. You know, I, I don't mean to make anybody's problems seem less than they really are. But, um, you know, most of us still have food over our, our roof over our heads and food to eat and, and everything else. So he is seeing us through this. And, yes, it may get worse, but he still will see us through it. And... Um, What's that scripture? Um, you know, I was I was talking earlier about you know some of the elites maybe not being totally human, and then it hit me that, and this might sound a little weird, but we're not totally human anymore either, because when we become one with with Yeshua, um, we become new creatures. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, all thing old things are gone, and old things. Um, all things are new, um, a loose translation. Um, so technically, we're, we're hybrids too. <laughs> um, so we got we got the hybrids of, of Messiah fighting the hybrids of the um, the uh, the seed of Satan, basically. If you want to look mm-hmm. at it that way, because that's who they are, and um, and it was promised that that would happen. Um, in, in the very first chapters of Genesis, it said that, um, um, I can't uh, help me with this, that I'll, he'll 
bruise your heel, but you'll, you'll, he'll crush your head or something like that. And, and that's basically what's going on. Um, the Lord is using us in sometimes what seems like trite matters to, to crush the head of the devil. And believe me, it's him. It's not us. It's, I, I, I sometimes, I was going to a church for a while where we would sing spiritual warfare songs and, and I started realizing, you know, I can't really sing that song, you know, and one of them was about stomping on the head of the devil. You know, technically, maybe, yes, we are because we're in Christ or in Messiah. Um, but literally, no, that's his job. That's his job to step on the devil's head. Um, and that's the prophecy that, that was given. And, you know, when you start singing songs like, you know, I'm going to duke it out with the devil. You know, um, I, I think people should be pretty careful about what, what they're saying and what they're um, um, and, and actually what they do in their lives. Because some of us, uh, another song that we, we sang a lot in church um, and, and the end of the chorus is, and all I do, I, I honor you. And I was singing mm-hmm. that one day and I said to myself, no, that's not true. <laughs> because there are times when I blow it and I'm not honoring him when I blow it. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. it isn't all the time in all the things I do. So I've become very, um, I don't know, it's some people might say that I go to church looking for problems. You know, I don't think I look so much as they just seem to find me. Uh, and uh, but um, it's just that we, we we've gotten into this age where even when we do worship, we're we have to watch what we're singing. We have to watch what we're saying. Um, we tend to, as sheep, because we all are his sheep, um, we have to be careful because we tend to take on things that we we think that are given to us by, by good people that have good meaning, and maybe they do. I don't know. But in the case of that, you know, those two songs I just mentioned, you know, that uh, it's not quite smart to sing, I don't think, anyway. Um, about stomping on the devil's head because the devil can turn right around and make your life miserable for a while, and, and he will anyway. But um, I think it's uh, it's prudent that we we read more scripture, that we we um, pick up that sword of the spirit because we're going to find out that some of the practices that we ourselves have been practicing aren't exactly what um, we're supposed to be doing, and. And when we realize that, I think it helps us also to live a better life, uh, to strive to live a more holy life, and to try to please Him more like we're, we're supposed to please Him. Um, a lot of I don't know for for a while it seemed like, and I've seen I, I, I saw my own father do this one time. He was um, basically um, using using the Lord for um, you know as kind of like a genie. That's the only word I can think of. You know, like he's rubbing the lamp. He's, you know, bowing down and praying and rubbing the lamp and saying, oh, Lord, I need this. And then, you know, and expecting poof, it happened. And and that's not always the way it happens. Um, I talk often about 1159 moments. You know, that's the way the Lord works in my life. I'm telling you, it's it's hard to 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 get used to. And I think maybe that we're finally starting to get used to it. But um you know, I used to be so demanding and and giving the Lord ultimatums 
about, okay, I'll, I'll pray about this, and if you don't answer in a certain amount of days, this is the way I would think. Um, I'm just going to go out and try to do it myself, you know. And uh, waiting on the Lord is a hard thing to do. It, it really is because we we tend to think we live in a McDonald's sort of world, and um, you know where we just drive. We 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 order mm-hmm. at the drive-through and then drive up to the window, get our bag, and drive off. And it's not like that in the kingdom of God. Um, that's that's a totally worldly thing. Um, not. That I'm saying that he doesn't answer some prayers right away, but uh, I'm just saying that you know we should we should be praying knowing that it might not get answered right away, and and that goes into uh, this the whole thing with what's going on with our government. You know we we want answers right away, and a lot of people you know that when when midnight struck, uh, not midnight noon struck on uh, January 20th, and the tanks weren't rolling into Washington D.C. like we kind of hoped that they would have been. Um, we right away is okay. Well, all hope is lost. You know, it's all over. Um, you know, uh, we're this is it. You know, Trump was just a four year thing and everything else. And we don't know that. You know, we really don't know that. And um, God can choose to use Trump or whatever means to to rescue us anytime He wants to. Should He thinks that's necessary, if He thinks that we need to. Um, be uh, groomed and grow a little more and um, more effectively and, and have to go through some persecution under this administration. And that's because what's going to have to happen, I guess. Uh, you know, I am so sorry. I, I, I don't look at the camera. I'm so used to not having a camera on. <laughs> um, yeah, me too. I, I tend to look at the microphone. But um, anyway, um, so I it's uh, one of the questions I – I posed, uh, Brian, you know, when we talked, I think it was a couple of days ago, um, you know, what, where, where is the delineation line and how do we know that the enemy that we're dealing with, let's just, let's just, uh, use the, um, uh, well, the deep state or maybe the elites is a better one. Um, where do we draw the line and know when we're dealing with spiritual and when we're dealing with physical or is it more wise to say that we should just treat it all as um, spiritual, that we're dealing with the spiritual, knowing that the physical might be involved? I don't know if I'm making any sense, if you know where I'm going with yeah. this. Yeah, yeah I, I do. So so what's your your feeling about that? Maybe it will help me out. Oh, um, that's a good question. That's really good. Um well, there's the three enemies of the Christian. Uh, um, you, you probably know that. But a lot of people don't know. There's three enemies of a believer. The world system, our flesh, and then the devil. Right. How do you know what's your flesh? How do you know what's the world? How do you know what's the devil? Uh, that's when, if you're in the midst of a storm, and you're in the storm by yourself, let me rephrase that. The Lord's always with you. But if you're walking... Mm-hmm. From the center of that circle, you lose the sixth sense, which is a bad analogy, but it's the only best way I can do it. We have our five senses, but when we're walking with the Lord, we have a sixth sense. And we just know that we know that we know when something is the flesh, something is the world, and something is the devil. Mm-hmm. If we're walking in the flesh ourselves, that sixth sense is dulled a little bit. Right. 
God is sending signals to us. Somebody told me one time, God never speaks to me. Actually, God, uh, without disrespect to him, he's he's a talker. Yeah. He's he's on he's like on high dose caffeine and he wants to talk. Uh Oh, he really, really does. But when we walk out of the center of that circle, we are the receptor. We always think we have to talk at God. We've got to learn. We better listen to God, not talk at him, not talk to him, but not at him. Right. And so when we're talking at him, we're not in the spirit. When we're talking to him, then we're waiting to listen. It's a two-way conversation. Mm-hmm. So when we walk away from the center of that circle, and it could be for many reasons. You don't even realize you're doing it. I know I don't. Mm-hmm. Busy at work, you know, you have an employee, like you mentioned, that's just one of those. Everybody's got that employee in the workplace that just just doesn't fit. It <laughs> drives you crazy. Next thing you know, you had a great talk with the Lord on the way to work, and next thing you know, you're like starting to get a little angry at work or resentful that this guy's in your face or whatever. And now you're starting to walk away from the center of that circle. It's really easy to walk mm-hmm. away. But we can never walk completely out of it because God will pull, always pull us back. That's right. what we got to remember. we got to remember this life isn't about us. It's about him. Our salvation isn't due how we walk. It's not like, oh, I didn't go to church today. I'm not a good Christian because I didn't go to church today. I didn't read my Bible today, so, man, I'm, God's never going to bless me. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. It's all The eyes are got to be, you got to forget the I. It's right. him. It's, it's the H. It's him. Mm-hmm. So when you're walking away from him in the middle of that circle, he follows you to the edge of that circle. He's right behind you the whole time. The sinner is still there. That's his perfect will for you. And so... How do you know if it's the world, the flesh, or the devil? When you're in the middle of the circle, it's easy to know. When you walk away, the line, st- the, the line starts getting a little blurry, a little gray, like, you know, um, you start, and I'll, I'll just say the whole thing with the election. I, I would get angry going to work because I would hear things on the news that would make me angry because of what was going, how they were treating Trump. And how mm-hmm. they were lying and still are and doing all those things. And and I, I was and I, I still have to fight that because I don't like what I'm seeing. But your anger is righteous, it can be righteous anger, but then if it goes on too long, it's just anger. Right. It's just anger. And what's anger do that's not righteous? It pulls you away from the Lord, what he's trying to talk to you. Mm-hmm. So now instead of hearing his voice, you hear all this other chatter. Your, your own thoughts, what people's opinions are, you know, what the news is saying, what somebody on the news or opinions is saying. Um, and you're like all confused. You feel fearful, like what's going to happen to our country? And those are all good things to think. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it distracts you so much, now you don't even think of the Lord. You haven't thought about him all day. You haven't even thought about praying about anything. You're trying to, like you said, Dave, um, do your, figure out your own problems and fix them yourself. Mm-hmm. That's when we start getting in trouble. That's when we start making bad decisions because they're not God's decisions. Right. Our will, our flesh now is involved because our flesh got involved. How did our flesh get involved? Because we are not asking God what he thinks. We're asking everybody else what they think. 
and we're not taking what they're telling us and giving it back to the Lord. This person told me this, Lord, what do you think about what this person said or this news said? What should I do about it? It's not going back to where it should be, go back to to be scrutinized by God. We're, mm-hmm. we're scrutinizing it. And who are we? We're just men and women living on this planet that are affected by everything that goes around and we're easily tossed to and fro without the solid rock of Jesus on, uh, going to him. So now mm-hmm. we're all these opinions, all this stuff is flying around. Now we're getting angry. What's anger? That's the flesh. Um, how do you, then what happens? Well, the devil takes the anger and can turn it into resentment and hatred. That's the enemy. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be angry about stuff. It's okay not to be happy. Uh, actually, in the book of Revelation, I uh, can't remember the chapter, but saints are being killed, and they're coming up to the throne of God, and they're angry. Mm-hmm. And if that's in heaven. We can be angry in heaven. Yeah, we're angry in heaven because it says, oh, God, when are you going to avenge us? When you, and, t- and he says, when your number's complete, when you're, how many are supposed to have been persecuted, die, then I'm going to step in. But when they get there, they're told to sit down, rest. They give a white robe. I can't remember what else they, they're given. They're told to just rest. But they're saying, when are you going to avenge us? So anger is okay. But when the anger turns to resentment and turns to hatred and turns into depression because you can't change what's going on, because you feel out of control, you went from walking away from the Lord in your walk, not from his salvation, to uh, angry about your circumstances, to dwelling on them so much, now the anger is turning into resentment toward a person maybe, maybe in your own household. Mm -hmm. Now the enemy's going to come in, use that anger, use that resentment, for you to speak back to that person in a tone that's going to hurt them. Right. That's demonic. Mm-hmm. It starts off, world system gets you all distracted, and then your flesh gets involved, and then Satan comes not into you, but into the circumstances of your life, especially with husband and wives. It happens all the time. With kids, right. especially. You know, we have, we have teenagers. It's, it's very stressful right now in our homes in America. And so we end up saying things to our spouses or to our kids or to our friends or to some guy to walk in. Next thing you know, you're driving to work and you're flipping somebody off because they cut you off and you're all angry. But you just prayed to God five minutes earlier Uh because you really weren't repentive. You really weren't in tune because if you were, you would say, you know what? Bless that guy. He just cut me off. He almost got me killed. But you know what? Bless that guy. Instead, you're using sign language inappropriately to that guy or that woman or that person. And that turns into like a, all of a sudden a, a, just a heated anger, a heated mm-hmm. like, temper. That's not all flesh. Right. And, and one of the words for Satan in the Bible um, is um, deceiver, deceives. And also the word demon is the word, uh, same word for knowing one. And the same mm-hmm. word for knowing one is the same word you would use for psychologist or psychiatrist. A, a person that knows the human intellect, human emotions. Right. Demons are not stupid. Actually, mm-hmm. they're very intelligent creatures. Cunning. 
very cunning, very, very smart. They used to be angels, and now they're demons because of their fallen state, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean they lost their ability to do amazing things. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things they can do, they can't read your mind, but they can put thoughts in your mind. Only God can read your mind, just right. so you know. So that's why the Bible, especially New Testament, is so um, pushes in, that pushes um, be sober-minded, sober in spirit to know what the will of God is for your life. Mm-hmm. It's always talking about the mind in the New Testament. Always. It's just, it's all through the epistles, it's the gospels, it's, it's just sober mind, sober mind, sober mind. Be a clear mind. Because the enemy attacks in your thoughts. And they are master psychologists. They have a PhD on steroids. They've been studying us for almost 7,000 years. Right. They know us. And you know what? We're basically all the same, folks. I hate to say it, but if you're out there and you feel different than everybody else, you're not. I don't mm-hmm. care if you're a hermit living up in the mountains and you think you're, you're just different. You're not. We're all the same. We all deal with different issues in our life, but they're all the same issues at one time or another in our life. Right. Or you know somebody else that's got this issue. It's, it's we're all the same. And they know that. So they use that to their advantage. And that's why the book of Ephesians was written, especially chapter 6, verse, I think, starting at 10 or 11, the mm-hmm. armor of God. Because the helmet of salvation, it protects the brain, it protects the thoughts. The first thing they're going to do is make you doubt God. The second thing they're going to do is going to make you hate yourself for doubting God. Mm-hmm. The next thing they're going to do is going to make you feel ashamed and make you feel this and make you feel that. Next thing you know, you're not going to church, you're not reading your Bible, you're yelling at your kids and you're yelling at your neighbor and you're all angry with everybody because life is miserable. Yeah. And you and what happened? You let a thought come in that wasn't of God. Mm-hmm. You let you open the door just even a little bit. And this goes for me. And I, it happens all the time. So they're master psychologists. They know how to get into our psyche. And they it starts off. And not I mean, a little disclosure here, a little side note. There's going to come a time in the future where Satan is going to be thrown into the pit for 1,000 years. And during that 1,000 years, it's going to be, you know, let me back up even more. You would say to somebody, if I just had a better wife, if I had a better job, if my kids were better, if I had a better boss, my life would be better. If I won the lottery, air quote, lottery, and I got $50 million, life would be so much better. I would be able to live for God. I would be able to do this. You know what? That's a bunch of crock. Excuse me. Yeah. That's a bunch of dung. Because, and it's proven wrong in the scriptures. Because in when Satan in the book of Revelation, I think it's chapter 20, is thrown into the pit. There's bliss on the earth for 1,000 years. And Jesus is physically reigning on the earth with the saints on the earth. He restores the earth to its original beauty, to the Garden of Eden, however you want to say it, but he, he totally remodels the planet after Armageddon. It's beautiful. It's awesome. It's just unimaginable. But at the end of that thousand years, well, let me back up. During those thousand years, people will have children during that time. Right. They'll have kids. And those kids will be, and Jesus will be reigning physically. And they won't be able to see him on CNN. 
<laughs> of Fox. I'm just kidding there. <laughs> but you know CNN and Fox, but they will see him. But, and the devil is gone, so you can't blame the devil. But during those thousand years, those kids when we were born, they are going to have deep-seated resentment in their heart for him, for mm-hmm. the Lord. How do we know this? Because it says he has to rule them with a rod of iron. If everything is bliss, then why does Jesus have to rule the earth with a rod of iron? Right. A rod of iron is discipline. It's, it's stern. I, and I always thought about that because man's heart is evil even without the devil. Because right. our flesh, we don't need always Satan. We can't always blame Satan. We're just evil without the Lord in our heart. As a believer, just right now, once you're saved, you're not a sinner anymore. You're a saint. You're set apart. You're a new creation. You're not a sinner. Even if you sin, God doesn't see you that way. Mm -hmm. All the book of Romans talks about that. So what happens at the end of the thousand years? Satan's released for a short time. It's the shortest battle in the Bible. I think it's chapter 20, the end of the chapter. Um, Satan is released, goes around the world, deceives who he can, he brings up a massive army on the, the flat plain of the earth against the holy city, which is Jerusalem, and he surrounds Jerusalem to attack it. Where did he get these people? Where did they come from? They were born. They, mm-hmm. Everybody going into the millennium is a believer. Everybody is righteous. All the goats and the sheep, they've been separated, and everybody's going into that period knows the Lord, but they have kids. And they are forced to obey during those thousand years. But not their heart still hasn't changed. And they come up, they dece- uh, Satan deceives them, which isn't very hard to do. They come against the saints on the holy city to attack. And it says that fire comes down out of heaven and devours them. Mm-hmm. And then Satan is chained and thrown into the lake of fire where it burns with sulfur. Forever. So I say all that because they have a perfect environment. No smog, no sickness, no disease, no death. Actually, there is death. If you die at 100, it's because it's capital punishment during that time. There's people that will die at 100, and that's considered like an infant during that right. time. It's because of there, there's something that they did during that time that was so bad. It was capital punishment. But God did the capital punishment. Mm-hmm. So, But besides that, the environment's perfect. People don't, people aren't wanting for food. People aren't starving to death. There's no cancer. There's no no hospitals. There's no pollution. Uh, people are living. I mean, they're, they're, there's no aging. But even with a perfect environment, because of sin, they still rebel. And the reason God, I believe God does this in this passage is to show the world and the angels and all living creatures, even with a perfect environment, because of sin, you're still going to rebel. That's why I had to send my son. That's why he had to die on the cross. Because even in a perfect environment, you're still sinful. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was like an object lesson that he did. So we have the world, the flesh and the devil. It starts off in your flesh. It starts off with the world it ends up in your flesh, and then if you let it go far enough, the demonic forces can use it against you. And right. that's why it says in so many places to be sober-minded, sober in the spirit, continually praying. Um, I don't want to call it work. 
Now, let's just say it takes a lot of effort to live a godly life. Mm-hmm. But the sure benefits of a godly life are far outweigh living a life of sin and just whatever you want to do. Because that kind of life will end up in destruction. Matter of fact, you could ask anybody that's a real believer that has gone down that road and come back, ask them how they liked it. Ask them how it was for the time they were living in the world doing those things. And I can guarantee you, every one of them that's a true believer said it was the worst time of my life. Yeah. But, and, but they would also say, God never abandoned me and he brought me back. Mm-hmm. Like the and so the world, the flesh, and the devil, but the devil knows how to use the world and the flesh against us. That's why um, the prince and the power of the air is Satan. And the air in the Greek means airwaves. It literally means, I don't think when the writers wrote it, they knew what, exactly what it meant. But because we live in our time now, Dave, it's the airwaves. It's the television. It's it's the CB channels. It's our cell phones. It's, it's all the stuff going through the air. Satan has direct access to all that. That's why 90% of the media is corrupt. Mm-hmm. Uh, very very few stations are Christians. Very few things out there are Christian-based. There's a few. And he uses those airwaves every single day to distract us from who we are in the Lord, our purpose in life for the Lord, and what we're supposed to do for the Lord. Right. Especially with men. Men, as we know, and I'm one of them, are very visual creatures. And Satan knows how to distract us. Mm -hmm. Bottom line. And it's prevalent. it's It's everywhere. It's not like it was, Dave, when we were growing up in the 60s and 70s. It's so bad. And I just say to all the men out there, and just be careful. Um, and it's just be careful because Satan wants to use all this stuff to destroy us. And he doesn't care about us. He doesn't give one iota about us. So anyway, I'm done. I know it's late. But That's okay. um, the world, the flesh, the devil, but the devil knows how to use the world and the flesh against us. But praise be to God that Jesus Christ died for us. He is the victor. And mm-hmm. in Revelation, uh, it says, by the blood of the Lamb, they overcame, they overcame the accuser of the brethren. By the blood right. of the Lamb. And it's by the blood that of Jesus in our lives, by the power of God who holds our salvation, which no one can take from us, that we can overcome this world, we can overcome ourselves, overcome the enemy, to live a good, godly life. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you don't fall. It just means... You know who you are, and if you do fall, you just get right back up. Because I right. guarantee you right now, if you're a Christian listening to this, you will fall. Mm-hmm. How long will you stay down? That's the question. Right. Get right back up, brush yourself off, confess it to the Lord, First John 1, 9, and get on with life. Mm-hmm. And don't think about... Um, you know, in Romans it talks about Satan's the accuser. If somebody's telling you tonight in your brain, you're not worthy, you're worthless, I'll never be this, I'll never be that. I can tell you right now, that's not God. That's right. That's the enemy speaking to you 
lies because God says all things are possible through him. All things. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Kind of reminds me of when, um, you know, you're a kid and you, uh, you know, you've been on your three-wheeler all your life. And, uh, and then all of a sudden your parents give you a two-wheel bike with training wheels, you know. Yeah. And, of course, that's easy, too. And I, I equate that with being born again. And then um, the day comes when, uh, you know, he, your parents watch you and they, they make sure you're okay. And uh, the day the training wheels come off and uh, they're there to watch you to make sure you're okay on your bike. Uh, because they know that without the training wheels, you might fall once or twice, you know, but they'll be there to pick you up when you do fall. And after a while, you know, they they feel confident enough to know that you can ride your bike without them being around. You know, they're always within, you know, a mile or so. But anyway, um, and then after that, uh, you're going to fall down again and again from time to time. But you've learned that since your parents taught you that every time when you fall down, you should get back up and get on that bike, that when you do fall down and they're not around, you get back up on that bike anyway. Mm-hmm. Because you, it was like the, the most embarrassing part is you just look around to make sure that nobody else saw you fall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like slipping on ice. And yeah. I know you know what that's like. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so it's it's just a matter of realizing that uh, he said, "My, I will never leave you or forsake you." You know, and um, and that's always important to remember that he never leaves us or forsakes us. He's always there with us, like you said, and um, he's quick to forgive. He really is. Um, if what does it say? Some of that if we sin and we confess our sin, it's, he is quick to forgive us of our sins. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, it's it's not a well. I, I know that there are Christians that are like, oh well, I'm I'm forgiven. I'm not even going to bring it up. You know, <laughs> but no, we gotta we gotta come before him and just say, hey, you know, I, I messed up again, Lord, and and I know that your blood is good on me forever and ever. And uh, my, but I just don't feel right. I have to tell you about this, and you tell them, and you know you can kind of metaphorically feel that arm go around your shoulder and tell you, hey, you know it's okay. Everybody messes up, and that's what I died for. And and um, so just get back up on that bike and and get going again, you know. And um, it's it's you know you're gonna have to do that. Everybody's gonna have to do that their whole lives, you know, until the day we draw our last breath. And, um, but it's, you know, it's in a way sin, um, is, um, is there to remind us of Jesus or Yeshua because without, if we didn't sin, we wouldn't need him in the first place. And, um, so just knowing that every time we sin, he's there kind of is a little reminder of, Hey, I'm here, you know? Well, with that in mind, I guess we're getting up on the two hour mark. Wow, already. Uh, yeah, I know. And they go fast. Yeah. So the plan is to uh, post this on YouTube. I think this is one that they'll keep on there. Uh, they they have a habit of pulling things anymore if you mention certain things. But anyway, um, it'll go on Rumble, and the audio track from this will go on to Spreaker, and it'll go on to Podbean and a few other places. And I uh, apologize ahead of time if you came to Spreaker tonight and there was nothing there. Well, 
things happen real quick in this world anymore, and this was the last-minute change. So um, we'll be here from now on, and um, I'll just remind everybody of that. Um, but um, I think this is a better format. It's 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 um, it's hard for people to watch unless we do it live on YouTube. But uh, YouTube is getting to the point where you know the subject matter. I don't want to be in the middle of a talk and have them cut us off and and junk everything that we did. You know, yeah. I'll look. I'll look into Rumble to see if we can do it on Rumble or some other format. But um, so others can join in and watch. Um, but uh, I'll look into that this week. So anyway, Brian, it's been a pleasure, like it always is. It and, has, yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, I'm glad that uh, things, the, the scales finally evened out where the radio show is concerned. You know, there's not yeah. more weight over here than there is over there. And yeah. uh, I just really appreciate you, and I know the listeners do too, because they talk about it all the time. So, oh, um, yeah. So uh, having said that, folks, I uh, want to – Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and hit stop here in a minute, and uh, and we'll go from there. But uh, just a prayers for everybody that uh, is struggling right now that you um, are able to um, handle things, and but you're only going to be able to handle them through Yeshua, like Brian was saying. And um, so, turn to the one that can help you. Uh, turn to the one that died for you. Turn to the one that. Um, is really the only answer for the all the problems that we're having these days. So um, that having been said, Brian, I fit you a bear ado, uh, fit you a fair ado. <laughs> it's That's easy for you to say. <laughs> I wish it was. <laughs> um, give our love to your family. Okay, you're in our prayers, and um, well, maybe we'll get to see you soon. Yeah. So. Okay, folks. Well, God bless. God bless you too, Brian. And um, God bless you, Dave. Here we go.